Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Today on V Radio, we are proud to have Danny Shine. Many of you may have remembered him from some of the earlier Love Police videos. He also does a lot of great videos of his own, which I was actually just watching right before this broadcast. I also got to listen to some beautiful singing on the part of his daughter, um, and in addition to some other family noises. Um, and uh, hello, Danny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hi, good evening. <laughs> yes, good evening to all of you in the UK. Um, now, actually, a lot of people are already commenting. They they said this that you're probably going to be their favorite guest in the history of V Radio, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, <laughs> the uh, the first question that I always ask a new guest um, is, and this you know may, this question may not even completely apply to you, um, but basically for you, what was the precipice? What moment in your life did you see? Uh, that there was something wrong in society, and you basically, at what point did you become an activist? And and tell the story of what motivated you to become an activist. Okay, before I answer that, um, you are making some assumptions, <clears throat> and one of them is that I have become an activist. Okay. And, uh, that is not correct. I haven't become anything. I'm just me, and I don't even know what an activist is. Um, other than a word that describes someone and becomes a label. And then it then often becomes a label that gets used against people uh, Uh, by the powers that be, whatever they are. Um, So I'm just me, and I do what I do. So is there any specific point in in your life that you would describe that inspired you to be who you are? Um, um, I mean, I have been on a path of, uh, um, I suppose, um, attempting to be um, more and more self-aware. I've seen myself as only at the start of that path. Um, For many, many years, though, I've been on that path, and uh, lots and lots of things in my life have affected me. Um, I've, I've partaken in many um, sort of therapeutic uh, experiences um, and nothing in particular I would say hit me that that was to say oh you know there's something wrong in society etc what I would say is that um, I've been also as well as attending I've been sort of um, on the odd occasion I would facilitate uh, workshops and about four years ago I was sitting with a, a wonderful woman who sort of runs alongside me only very occasionally in my life. Uh, she's a kind of, I don't know, a cross between a, a therapist and a coach. And we were talking about how to, how I could best share what I'd received um, in terms of experiential wisdom, shall we say. And uh, I just got the, um, got an idea in my head that I would go to Speaker's Corner which is in Hyde Park Corner in central London. Uh, have you heard of that? No, but go ahead. Okay, this is something that I think should be uh, in every town, and perhaps someone, some of your listeners can set it up in their own towns. But in, in London, every Sunday, um, in a corner of a large corner of a park in central London, it's known that there's such a thing called Speaker's Corner, and anybody can just get on a ladder or, or not and talk about anything they want to, and they have complete free speech, I think that the only thing you're not allowed to do is to incite violence against specific people. 
but you can say what you like you can certainly swear and you can be obnoxious and you can say what you like and uh, people often um people often uh, go there and talk about religion i i just got the, this calling to go there and i got a calling to kind of i don't know what why this happened but i had a sign um on one side it said everything is okay and on the other side it said don't believe anyone including me and i went there with that sign because at speaker's corner what what was going on is everybody's trying to convince everybody else what they should be thinking and that was the opposite of what i wanted to do and i really fell in love with that experience got quite addicted to it and then it kind of struck me hold on a second why is this only in one corner on a sunday so i took it to central london and that is when i started realizing that something was strange was going on because i would stand uh, in central london with a sign saying everything is okay and the police would come up to me and you know start sort of saying you can't do that um it's a breach of the peace um you might have a large crowd coming and then people could pickpocket them and it was just bizarre and i suppose that was the moment when i really started experiencing um experiencing um something that led me to the idea that that on the surface of things everything looks normal and peaceful and wonderful but underneath something else is happening that's actually yeah it's a very powerful realization um and it's interesting i remember uh looking back on i think charlie has the video up of like i guess the first time you guys interacted and you had that same sign up and it's it's amazing how much trouble you would get from you know uh, the establishment so to speak for just saying everything is okay, <laughs> you know. Um, and it, it's some of the other stuff that you said, like you might gather a crowd, you know, we wouldn't want everybody else to know that everything is okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I was do, I mean, although this is not in the videos, but before I met Charlie, I've been doing it for several, a couple of years, and I would do things like go into a. Uh, so I didn't film this, but I went into the National Gallery, uh, which is actually uh, owned by the country, apparently, uh, by us, you know. So I go into the National Gallery, stand with my sign, everything is okay, in one of the galleries. And after like three minutes, four large, you know, someone would come up and say, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm just standing here, you know. <laughs> and, and, you know, within minutes, you know, within minutes, I'd be, I'd have four large security guards dragging me out of the place. Because uh, you were holding up. I'm sorry, go ahead. It's, yeah, because I was holding up a sign, everything is okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting is that people don't really realize how, how silly it is that they need to respond to you for holding up a sign that says everything is okay. Um, it's, it's interesting that people seem to have lost themselves so much in their consciousness to the point that the reality of the situation is that you're not really doing anything to hurt anybody and... They can't even really try to nab you on saying that you're trying to be disruptive. You're assuring everything, everyone that everything is okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, and, and that's exactly what you're saying. It highlights uh, the the level of consciousness at which so many of us, including myself at times, are operating at. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, it's quite alarming at times. It's quite sad at times, and it's also quite funny. That's actually, it can be, and I I think that's one of the things that I liked about your approach in watching your videos was that um, satire, particularly if you're being sarcastic about something, 
has a tendency to disarm people and it's one of, and therefore to get them to pay more attention. If you're just kind of on a megaphone blasting angrily at people, then you're going to get some people, but you're actually going to, you're going to put a bunch of other people's defenses up because we've been trained to put our mental defenses up anytime somebody raises their voice, but you do it in such a way that um, I think reaches people a bit more uh, directly because that's why you also see like, even in politics, like satire cartoons and comic strips and such were had a you know immense amount of power because of that, because you know people just oh, it's just a boring column about some politician, or it's a funny cartoon with George Bush you know and you know with the basically the stretched out limbs or whatever looking silly, and the funny is it has it has more of an impact it seems to get through to them yeah absolutely and not it's not only actually um it's not only the angry side. You see, even if you um, even if you use your megaphone to tell people things, or to tell them what to think, or to tell them I did, things are like this. Whenever um, I find that whenever I say things are like this, that automatically brings a response to a person to think, well, do I agree or do I not agree? Um, and that divides us, right? Whereas if if it's more of a either satire or asking questions, honest, open questions, which is what I do in a lot of the later films that I do. Um, it's a completely different thing because it gets people to think for themselves. That's actually really important. And you, you ask people certain questions to help them arrive at the conclusions on their own. Um, and then the lesson is therefore uh, more valuable, I would say. I mean, you can tell somebody something, but unless you help them realize it themselves, it's not really a lesson learned. They're just kind of taking your word for it, which you can you can get information that way. But to help people truly understand, you know, what it is that you're trying to teach them, sometimes it's better to help them reach that level of consciousness on their own. You can do things to encourage it, but uh, it, it almost robs them of something if you if you give them all of the answers. Yeah, and of course, um, I may be very clever at manipulating someone. And getting them to think a certain thing, but then the next person will come along, and uh, if he's just as good or better, will make them think something else. Right, right. That's very important. It's one of the reasons why I. It, it can be frustrating at times, especially when you because you can feel a little bit alone when you're in that situation when you realize you're surrounded by people who aren't necessarily critically thinking, and then after you've become aware of a lot of this stuff. It becomes difficult to uh, associate or relate to them, and you try to bring them out, and, and in some cases that works, but it, it kind of reminds me of that scene in The Matrix when Morpheus is leading Neo through a you know, a sample of The Matrix, and he's pointing out you know, some of these people don't want to be unplugged, and they will fight to protect this system, and that's, that's the reactions you get. Like if you talk about you know, uh, a politician or, or maybe some religious issue, people will become highly offended and they'd prefer that that just didn't get talked about. But, you know, people can get upset about who didn't win on American Idol or, you know, and all of that kind of behavior is considered completely normal uh, to be upset about things that don't even matter. Right, indeed. You know, I guess... Uh, now, as you know, as you said, you know, before you had met Charlie, you know, you you had started doing this. Now, uh, did you start right away with the megaphone, or was it just the sign, or I mean, just you know, tell basically tell us a story about how this got started. Um, as I said, I went to Speaker's Corner and I had this sign, and I found that 
I, I mean, I'd never really done any public speaking before. It, it was a really a, an interesting situation. And, and for your listeners, actually, um, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in the idea of copyright at all. Um, and, and I would invite them to try anything themselves. And you never know um, what, you know, you never know what will happen until you try. And I'm not saying that speaking on the street is something that suits everybody. And, yeah, but you don't know until you try. And I just went to Speaker's Corner and I found that I had this uh, talent that was a gift from life, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I could speak to people uh, in a really unusual way and in a funny way and in a challenging way. And I would do like, for example, someone would ask me a difficult question or someone would come at me in a, in a rather aggressive way. And what I would do, and what I still do sometimes, and I not not often enough, and I encourage other people to do, is, to, is just to meditate for 30 seconds or, or a minute. So someone would come with a nasty accusation or a difficult question and an intelligent question, I would meditate for a minute uh, in front of a crowd of 80 people and, and invite them to. And what often would happen is I'd open my... Um, I'd open my eyes. Oh, I've just got to tell you something quite funny. Sorry to do this just off the track. My my 11-year-old son, who is um, who is brilliant, extremely clever, and very challenging, more challenging than all of the people on the streets who try and heckle me, has been sitting in on this conversation, and he's been writing me short notes. And uh, his notes said, the first one said, keep it sh short and snappy. The second <laughs> note says, make it juicy. And the final one he just gave me says, says goodbye, this is so boring. <laughs> well, generally, I actually, you know, you can make it as long as you want. You don't have to keep it short and snappy. But um, <laughs> that's because people who tuned in so that they could listen to you, the spiritual entertainer, um, they hear from me all the time. But, okay. Um, anyway, but it, anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um <laughs> So um, I've, I've lost my track of thinking now. But um, Oh, yeah, so I'd, I'd meditate when someone asked me a question. Then often when I'd open my eyes, they'd have gone because they were often not really after an answer. They were after a fight or an argument. Mm -hmm. And so I did this. Lots of different techniques I would use. And, and then, I, as I said, I'd take it to the street and I'd stand on the streets for hours on end with the sign, everything is okay. And again, this is not for everyone, but I recommend people try it and try their own signs. It's an amazing experience. Um, people, lots and lots of people would smile. People would come up to me and challenge me or talk to me. I've met amazing people on the way doing this. Um, and I've been, as I said, been, and doing, and then I sort of try it inside different places. Like I told you, I'd do it inside a station and then get, you know, I'd get someone come up, just stand in front of like, you know, 200 people who are just staring at the timetables, right? And I stand there with my sign, everything is okay. And after five minutes, someone from the station would come and say, excuse me, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just studying a sign. So, well, you can't do that. It's advertising. And I'd say, well, I'm not advertising. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. You know, I'm not, I'm not collecting any money. I'm not, you, said, you know, it's against the rules to advertise. I said, but, you know, I'm not. And then, then they'd say, well, you're loitering. Have you got a ticket? I said, no, oh, you're loitering, you know, and and then the police might be called if, depending on how, you know, how much I wanted to get stuck in. Um, and this was, again, this went on for a couple of years. And then I met Charlie and and at that meeting, which is actually one of the films that's online, he was he had a megaphone and he also had a camera. And that's when the megaphone thing started and the camera and we hit it off and we made these films. 
Um, and then several months down the line, if you follow the, 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 the films, I'm not going to go into it now, but uh, I realised that I, I had to go my own way. I was on a different path to him. I was coming from a different place. And we, you know, we sort of split, whatever you want to call it, amicably. I still speak to him every few months. Um, in fact, I spoke to him today because he had a, a or yesterday, because he had a ridiculous court case, in my opinion, because he got arrested for, for the, you know, he got arrested before the royal wedding. Right, right. Yeah, and uh, he, he was in court today for um, aggravated trespass because he and hundreds of others went into a, a shop in London for about five minutes. Um, so he, you know, I spoke to him about that very briefly. So I still speak to him occasionally, although we're doing our own thing now. Right. I was actually, you know, um, I recognize that there is somewhat of a different feel to the way you do things, and you know, it's, it, it I guess it's kind of a to each their own. I like both approaches, but yeah, I do hear from people frequently that they they really like the way that you do things, and that it feels a bit less. Uh, oppressive, what was the word that they used? But basically just what it amounts to is the, both of your approaches have a place. And I think that your approach appeals, as I was saying earlier, to people who who want to see somebody overpower someone with like a loving energy rather than just overpowering them with an angry energy. And I can relate to both positions because I've been in both positions as a you know activist myself. Um, but uh yeah i either way though i i think that it's it's good for both of you in this instance because i think that both types of approaches need to be explored um and there may be some people for example who might find charlie too aggressive you know who would probably like your videos better um and so one way or the other though i, I support what both of you guys are doing um and actually it's uh there was a video the first time i got exposed to any of that was some of your words um, that still ring in my head all the time because I've thought them myself, but it's a scene where I, I want to say you're in London and you've got some megaphone and, and you're yelling at people to go back to their jobs. You know, yeah. if you don't have a job, you're a worthless human being. Consume, yeah. consume, consume until there's nothing left to consume. And, the, and this, uh, the line about the Chinese people, you know, who cares? There's a billion of them. And then the part where you're shouting at the guy to get back in his <laughs> in his house and get back yeah, to his back job. To his his job, yeah, yeah, right. that was great. <laughs> when you're dying, <laughs> when you when you're when you're dying, you'll be you'll, you'll be sorry you didn't work more. <laughs> that was that was the stuff. Actually, it was the first thing that got me interested in the, in the whole love police phenomenon. Was was that whole scene was just yeah. epic. Um, yeah, now um, I also noticed. Speaking of the royal wedding, I I, I noticed that uh, you didn't get abducted before the royal wedding and were actually able to go. And I watched some of your videos from it, and uh, it, it was interesting that you were you were talking to that fellow uh, with the glasses who was talking about how he just was around a bunch of people who who weren't very awake. Um, I think he didn't have any hair; he had like a headset on. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. He, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. I met him just randomly there, although he he had seen quite a lot of the videos um, beforehand. I'll tell you a little bit about the, about the royal wedding, which is a, a little bit of inside information. Um, I, I I changed, uh, although although I still have um, connection with with the police and and some interesting connections sometimes. Um, in particular with the royal wedding, I I I changed my approach in the last few months um, with the police. And what what I do is 
Um, what I did at the royal wedding is, uh, actually, at first day I was wearing a high-vis yellow jacket, and that and, and it has the word polite on the back. <laughs> yes, so, I loved that. I saw that. Right. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and that got me past a few barriers. Um, and And then... Just before I started uh, talking through the megaphone, I saw I, I found the police officer and I said to him, "Listen, um, I just want to let you know I'm I'm a performance artist and I you perform on my megaphone. It's all done in really good taste, and usually it gets a lot of laughs. If at any stage it, you know it's starting to bother people, I just move on somewhere else because I'm not here to bother people." And um, and then I said to him, shall I tell the security people? Because I have this like whole other team of like, you know, civilian security people in orange vests. He said, yeah, that's a good idea. It, it was, I wasn't asking permission. I was just telling him so that he didn't get shocked and caught off guard by it. So he just said, yeah, fine. And I, I tell this like really big, rather uh, uh, daunting guy. You know, I said, listen, I've just spoken to the police and I'm just about to do this performance. He said, yeah, no problem. By the way, where are we on the map? You know, and he shows me this map. It was hilarious. And I said, oh, we're here. Fine. Yep. And and because I preempted it like that, I was able to stand the wrong side of the barriers in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and just do my stuff. Um, and, it, you know, and it's still quite tricky, actually, doing it. in a, The royal wedding was difficult and that there are things actually I didn't show so much. Uh, because I didn't actually have it on my camera, but there are out there some bits of video where people get really angry with me. Because you were talking before about uh, people who don't want to wake up, people who like it as it is. And um, so it's quite sensitive and tricky to get it right at something like the Royal Wedding, because I'm kind of it really, I'm kind of in a nice way, sort of taking the mick out of what they're doing. And uh, some of them get really angry. And, and if that happens, basically what I do now is if that happens, I, I would just, if I can see it's a significant number of people really not enjoying what I'm doing, then I'll stop doing it because I'm not there to upset people. That's actually, it's really good. And um, you remind me actually of a story I think I actually brought up when I was interviewing Charlie once was that something that I think that people who are concerned about the future don't recognize is that Police officers are people, and yes, there are some who certainly abuse their authority, um, but in many cases, they've been led into the profession under the impression that they're going to help people, and then over time, the environment that you live in as a police officer does things to you, and it doesn't mean they shouldn't be responsible. Absolutely, they should, but it's important to recognize that they are essentially victims of the system as much as everybody else, and the the story I generally tell is... uh, a lady friend of mine and I were out at a park really late just because we wanted to be outdoors. And um, I, I was not aware of the fact that the park had closed and a police officer pulled up. And initially he had a bit of an attitude. And I'm I'm a long-haired, you know, metal-looking kid. So they generally make assumptions about me. And uh, as a result, you know, I, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to be really nice to this guy. Uh, and I was so polite to him. I said, you know, Officer, I'm really sorry. You know, we didn't know that the place was closed. And, yeah, I know you're just doing your job. And I was so nice to him initially, he thought I had to have been being sarcastic. So he's like, are you are you getting smart with me? I was like, oh, no, absolutely not. You know, you're you're right. We, you know, we could have been in danger here. You know, not, you know, you, he's, and then, like, it took him off guard. Like, he didn't expect anybody to be nice to him. And then 
eventually I explain, you know, he's like, cause he's like, well, yeah, we do have some, there's been some rapes here and some holdups. He's like, I was like, yeah, I didn't know that at all. You know, given all that information and, you know, I'm really glad that you informed me. And then he just kind of, he took a few moments shocked because it was not what he expected. And then he said, you know what? I think the park is not closed for the two of you tonight. I, I think, why don't you go ahead and you go walk over there, just, you know, don't go off in the darkness or something and get yourself hurt. And I'm just going to sit here until you're finished. You guys take as long as you like. And then he just sat there and did paperwork. And it, that was an example of, you know, like there are so many different ways that people could have reacted to that. And I have friends of mine who maybe they don't even have a criminal record, but they see a police officer and they immediately, you know, they tense up and they get all, you know, apprehensive. And you know, as a result, of course, then that just makes the police officer think you're up to something. You know, so because I was able to tell him that I appreciated what he was doing and that I cared about what he was doing, he changed his tone completely. And that's how I always deal with police officers. And I generally never have a problem with them because of it. That's a beautiful story. Um, and the story kind of um, brings up for me something that I is an ongoing uh, exploration um, and part of my journey, which is that for me, when I see a police officer, I often... Um, have to really take some breath and to differentiate between the police officer and the kind of father figure uh, in my head because I think I think most of us I'm guessing but certainly I can speak for myself uh, have not had very healthy um, examples of use of power and authority of, of healthy use of power and authority and I, and I as a father um, you know make many mistakes as well so um, often when I when I see a police officer, if I'm not careful, um, sort of psychologically, look, here, here's another bad authority and I've got to be, you know, I, I'll get triggered into some unhealthy behavior with him. Um, and I, I mean, if, you, if a person can do what you're doing, um, that is that's great. And that's a beautiful story. Yeah, actually, I remember that was something very compelling. I was watching right before this radio broadcast was you were talking to a, a friend of yours, his accent sounded maybe Scottish or Irish. Um, I don't know what the fellow's name was, but I guess you were talking to him about an incident. You guys brought up triggers. Oh, um, yes. yes. Uh, his, his name is Dew, the Irish guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that guy sounded really smart. I just found myself mesmerized listening to his wisdom. You know, he had a lot to say, and I, I could see now why. You know, because like you, as you put it there, you, know, you, you go to a trusted friend sometimes to, to check yourself, and I can see why. You know, I have friends that are that are on that same level with me. There are people that I trust to talk to about, you know, things that I might be doing. And um, now, and I guess you got a lot of. Well, I didn't get a chance to watch the original video. I just caught that one. Um, what was that all about? Oh, that's a whole long, a whole long story. But uh, basically, um, how can I how can I say this? Um, a few weeks ago, I was cycling um, near my home and I got stopped by a police officer on a bike and um, he, I, I got out my camera. It, 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 I mean, it, it's quite, a, in a way, it's a story that has, that has many levels to it, but um, I got out my camera straight away. And had I, again, had I have been... Um, more like you describing in your story, and perhaps if I'm really co- able to do it consciously, um, if I ever take out a camera again and I'm awake enough to do this, 
I would say something like, um, this, I'm getting out this camera, I'm an independent filmmaker, um, I'm really interested in, in policing, but just don't get me wrong, this is not, this is not uh, you know, an act of aggression, I won't put this up on, you know, on YouTube or anything unless you agree to it, I'm just doing it for my, I just find this really, really interesting and um, I hope you're okay with it. You know, I trust you're okay with it because, you know, from a legal point of view, of course, it's perfectly legal, something like that. But what happened was I just took my camera out and that was, you know, and I was already on my guard. And he then sort of started, uh, he started with a, with a question, which I know is a trick question. He may not even know, but, you know, he said, do you know why I stopped you? And I know that's a trick question. You can't, with that question, you can't win if you say yes or if you say no. Either way, you're going to, you can lose out because if you say yes, you've incriminated yourself. And if you say no, then he can say to you, well, you know, uh, you went through a red light and you don't even know you went through a red light. My God, I'll get you for something else, you know. So I know that the, the response to that is a, is a question. So I said to them, like, why don't you tell me? And, and when we had a, a conversation which lasted about four and a half minutes. And I kept asking him questions. Some of the questions that I asked him were accurate. And some of the things I was saying were not 100% accurate. But I kept asking him questions and what is the law and am I obliged? And what is the law? and Am I obliged? And he got, you know, he started to get quite confused because he clearly never come across this before. Um, and by the end of the four and a half minute conversation, he he lunged for the camera because he got so frustrated. And I uh, just said, how dare you? And I just cycled off. Right. And then I had, a, I had a, for a few, and, and I was kind of really psyched up and I was really excited as well because I realized this was an incredible piece of footage. Mm -hmm. But, but there were a couple of problems with it, in my opinion, looking back on it. The first one was, do I put him up there? Because it made, for, for, for some of the viewers, at the time I didn't realize it was only some of the viewers. I thought everyone would see this, but, for the type of people who got the message of my videos, when they would see this video, they would think that it made a real, like I would, made a real fool out of him. Yeah. But um, in a way, I made a bit of a fool out of myself because my energy wasn't particularly loving. I was quite defensive. And in, and in, in, in the terms of, I don't know if you've come across transactional analysis, but at the moment I'm doing some work with a friend around this, which is a model, which, um, it's called par uh, critical parent, adult, child. And it's mm -hmm. the idea is that we, is that we operate so much of the time either as critical parent or as child and rarely as a, you know, balanced adult. And in this particular it's the, the event, I was, he was acting as a critical parent. I was acting as this rebellious child and I came off as a bit as arsy. So, Anyway, I, I didn't know whether I should put the video up and block his block his face out or not. And I feel like my ego got the better of me. And um, I kind of got some advice from people. And I let that advice win without really checking inside what the best thing to do. And I stuck it out on the Internet. And it got 100,000 views in three days. It went absolutely wild. And... Um, and a lot of the comments, the first video I'd ever done where like a significant number of the comments are really negative and dark things. People like saying, you should have, you should have taken the, the you know, I, I didn't even say I'd been through the red light. He just mm -hmm. accused me. I'd never, 
you should have taken a ticket. You went through a red light. You know, I hope you get killed next time on the road and things like that. Right. Um, so lots of those types of comments. Um, and I, for various reasons, I decided to take take down that video. Um, it's still out there if you look hard enough. Um, but I've taken it off my channel. Um, so that that was again that was an example of lots of things going on there. You know, do I put the video up and and make a fool out of him? Is that fair to him? Bearing in mind that he is, you know, he's not exactly high up in the system. He's like you were saying before, a victim of the system. Um, and that was a difficult question. And I, you know, in a way, I, I to some extent regret it. Although I also feel like whatever was meant to be was meant to be. You know, now that you've actually described it, I have seen that video, and I wasn't for sure which one it was. But, um, yeah, that, that was a really interesting encounter, that's for sure. I, I can understand why it got – because it was a very intense moment, uh, you know, to be involved in for sure. And it's one of those things that maybe uh, doesn't happen to people every day for sure. Um, and I think that overall, though, you know, it's it, – when you talk about – I remember you bringing this up a couple times during the video with your Irish friend, you know, it was just that the, they were vicious comments and yeah, they are. I mean, and that's, that actually falls into what my recent work has been about is I'm working on a documentary about um, the way people behave on the internet um, and how it's generally different. And there are statistics that show that. And then it, this kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, but is that when somebody's anonymous, they tend to act and behave in ways that they wouldn't do in person. Like, I'm sure that, you know, because you get heckled, obviously, you're going to get some people who have the collective cojones, so to speak, to, you know, to call somebody out. But the vast majority of the people who said that stuff to you on YouTube would probably never say it to you in person, not even because they think you're going to beat them up or something, just because they wouldn't have the, the nerve um, to yeah. express themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. that uh, I'd love to see the documentary. And I think also, which is not really my... Uh, not really my field, but also I think in terms of um, flirtation and what happens between men and women on the internet, it's another example of how easy it is online as opposed to in person. Yes, and that's and, and maybe and I think part of that is it comes into that same conditioning that we always have, which is I think conditioned in us in the classroom when we're not allowed to just randomly outburst, you know, no matter what the teacher is saying or doing to any of the other students. Um, yeah. and, and I think that, uh, I mean, it, we've always seen that. I mean, there are people, for example, who might go out in the middle of the night with a spray can and vandalize a building, but they wouldn't walk up and do it in the middle of the day. You know, right. um, it not just, I mean, just because I mean, beyond just the issue of the fact that they could go to prison, it's just that people are kind of like, you know, like we said earlier, they're conditioned to be in a certain bubble. And in many cases, that bubble also consists of not even complaining about things that are legitimate. It's actually something that I see frequently in my experience in interaction with human beings is that there'll be certain, for example, explosive personalities, people that are rude to everybody, and nobody will say anything to them. But if you turn around and you say something to that person, rather than thanking you for confronting the bully in the instance, everybody kind of turns on you and goes, don't cause drama, you know, don't cause problems, you know, as if the guy wasn't already causing problems for a long time. And I realized that that, that moves you know, into a, a broader scale, it applies to governments, it applies to elements of society, you know, they don't, you know, they don't want you 
to be bringing up what they're all trying to pretend isn't happening, which is that this person is being rude to everybody in the room and making them, you know, uh, uh, uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of the, the analogy I usually use is like there's always some relative or something who shows up to one of your family occasions and is just obnoxious and mean to everybody and nobody will say anything to them. But the act of you saying something to them for some reason is perceived as violent. That actually brought up a oh, – I'm trying to remember. Derek Jensen, an anarcho-primitivist, actually, I guess Charlie's been reading his book recently, that he brought up that he noticed an interesting societal trend is that if you commit violence or aggression, even if it's just verbal aggression, down the perceived social scale, it's considered acceptable. If you if you do it up the perceived social scale, like, you know, a police officer shoots a man, that's generally considered okay, you know, um, but a man shoots a police officer, and that's a really big deal. Um, the establishment, you know, a, a bunch of protesters, quote-unquote, trespass in somebody's you know, uh, uh, what was it, mall or whatever that Charlie yeah. got arrested for, and we need to go do something about that. But big governments drop large quantities of bombs on lots of innocent people, and that's considered acceptable. Well, that's so really long bad. as it's up the scale, you know, down the scale, like, you know, the Americans dropping bombs in the Iraqis is okay, but, you know, Muslims flying planes into our buildings is not. Right, right. I mean, it, it is, I mean, that 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 whole thing is just... It's just mad beyond belief that, that you know the the difference in what is acceptable, what isn't, and it's it's also very clever in a way how 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 we've been hoodwinked, you know. And I'm 44, and it's taken me quite a lot of my life uh, until I realised what's going on. You know, I fell for it for long enough, um, and uh, so many people have fallen for it. We actually have a caller who wants to talk to you for a moment. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. All right, caller from the 267 area code. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, hello? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, awesome. Welcome Hi, to radio. Um, thank you. Uh, my name is Kevin Tilsner, and I want to uh, thank you both for having me on. And Danny, specifically, I, I want to thank you for... Just the lesson of love that you have, in my opinion, taught to the world through the Internet. I, I know it seems kind of cliche and silly, but it, it is something that I took to heart. And at a point when someone who I've never met before had been really in a very bad place, I, I simply sat down in front of him and looked him eye to eye and said that everything was okay. And I, I helped him through the situation he was going through. And I, I just want you to understand how, how much I appreciated the, um, the inspirational message that you have offered to the world and, and how much love that you have actually um, helped me even not just learn myself, but then teach others. So thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks again for calling into V radio. Did you have any other questions? No, that was really it. Thank you very much, Neil, for this. I appreciate the moment. No problem. All right. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – oh, somebody's asking, where did you learn about the up-down scale concept? Uh, Joe Park, if you look up uh, Derek Jensen, um, he's a well-known anarcho-primitivist, and he does uh, a lecture about this, actually. Um, I'll find it for you. You can get a hold of me on Facebook later, but – that's where that whole concept came up, where how society seems to think it's okay for people to behave in that way. And it's 
You notice that also, even just in your basic social structures, if somebody's considered to be, quote-unquote, more popular than you are, then them abusing you, even in your groups of friends, is acceptable. But if you were to do something to them, then it would be this big problem that everybody would need to get involved in and, and tell you to stop. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, Danny, um, so, yeah, as you can see, you definitely have a positive impact on people. <laughs> yes, although I must say, um, and this is no offense to anybody listening or anything, my kids are sitting here. 13-year-old and 11-year-old, and uh, what, what did you just say, you guys? Why on earth is everybody calling you? What? You're, you're nothing. You're a nothing, they're saying to me. You're a nothing. Why are they all calling you? <laughs> well, that was nice of them. I suppose they're there to help make sure that your ego stays anchored. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, very, they're very, very committed to that, as you can see. Well, when they're telling you that you're nothing, you should turn around and remind them that if it weren't for you, they wouldn't be there. That's true. And anyway, I'm I'm pleased to say I'm nothing. I've been working on being nothing for a long time. So now I've finally reached it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. I am indeed nothing. You're right. <laughs> I'm even more nothing than you are. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. No, yeah. that's totally fine, Danny. Um, yeah, they've, they've heard my family's hijinks occasionally on V-Radio as well. Now... Okay. Um, do you have any, like, uh, future plans, uh, anything that you might like to tell the listeners about? <laughs> uh, no, actually, funnily enough, um, I, I've actually, I'm actually planning to take a little break for, for a short while and, uh, uh, away from it just to, just to get some space and to concentrate a bit more on what's going on at home, which is always very interesting and challenging. Um, and so I don't I don't have any specific plans, uh, lots and lots of ideas, um, uh, but no no specific plans plans at this moment. Okay, well, um, and also in regards to the documentary, if uh, if you might be interested at any point in recording anything to talk about, you know, positive communication, I'd be happy to add it to the documentary. Um, I know Charlie's going to be in it. Uh, ben Stewart from Chimatica and Esoteric Agenda is going to be in it. Um, I'm in negotiations with Stefan Molyneux. I don't know if you know who that is, but yes, I know. Yes, I know Stefan. He's a very bright guy. And uh, so far, that's he, he's he looks like he's interested. It was a matter of just making sure that it was because he traditionally I'm considered quote unquote to be from the left, and obviously as a libertarian, he comes from the right, and I'm trying to get across to him that. The, the movie's not going to be about politics. It's going to be about communication between human beings, and I wanted to appeal to everybody from all walks of life, political beliefs or lack thereof. So, um, I, I didn't even know libertarians are considered to the right. Uh, well, yes, actually. Um, technically, depending on who you ask, they could be considered the furthest to the right. Um, but uh, it's it mostly has to do with the, the economic policies that drag you over there that's if you follow the nolan chart which is a chart that rates your right to leftism um, oh, okay. or centristism but it's just a guideline it's not a label but in any case um well i guess uh we've talked about let me see we talked about uh what started this we talked about the the conversation you had that i that i listened to and the, the incident with the the bike policeman um now it I guess then let's let's talk about something positive. Can you bring up anything that has happened in your time doing what you're doing that has left a, a good mark on you that's made you think, you know, I, I did something good there. I, I feel good about doing something that made the world a little better, even for just a few minutes. 
Uh, yeah, I've, I've got lots of ideas, uh, lots of thoughts about that. Um, firstly, I get some of the most amazing emails, um, messages from people. A couple of them stick out. One, one of them was a recent one where someone said something like, you know, I've been watching your videos and um, I, I, I find it difficult, he said, because I've got some entrenched conservative views, but I'm slowly kind of melting them um, in, you know, in relation to what I'm seeing on your videos. It's just quite humbling, really. And then he kind of also said that he'd seen, uh, this, I don't know if you've seen the videos, um, what's really going on. There's a series of videos that I call What's Really Going On. I go up to people on the street and ask them what's really going on. And uh, he said something like, you know, he, he, he never realized that the average person on the street has got so much wisdom to share with people, the type of people he would normally not even bother looking at. So when I get emails like that, it's really touching. And I have lots of similar emails or things where people say, you know, I've been watching your videos all night with my family and we've laughed and we've cried. Um, Another positive thing, actually, uh, that reminds me of a plan that I, I actually would like to put a bit more energy into, which I've thought of for a while, um, is to have a, is to create a march of appreciation. So to, to have like, a, not not a protest, but a gathering or march, some sort of gathering or march where people would come with banners um, expressing their appreciation for whatever they like, whether it be their health or their financial situation or even for things the government's doing um, for life, for whatever it is, but to have a, a march of appreciation. Um, so that's a, that's a positive idea as well that that I want to get involved with and I'm speaking to some people about. An army of positive energy. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds epic. Yeah, keep in touch with that. I'll be happy to tell people about it and um, it can encourage people to get involved for sure if you ever decide to go through with it. Okay, will do. <laughs> Well, Danny, um, I, I guess we've kind of come full circle now, uh, and uh, I want to thank your family for giving me a few minutes of your time, <laughs> and um, thank you for the work that you've been doing, um, and uh, is there anything else that you want to share before we go? Um, <laughs> uh, I think I think, uh, I think think I've pretty much covered anything. I just would... would um, I know there are a lot of people out there who uh, can see all what you know can see lots of things going on um, and don't know what to do about it. And I don't have the answers. Uh, what I would say is, and I do say when people ask me, and I do occasionally get emails about this, is uh, from my experience is to encourage people to find something that they really, really enjoy. So I love what I do. It's so exciting. And to be honest with you, whether it creates change in the world or doesn't from a purely selfish point of view it's so exciting and interesting and i meet so many great people uh, and i have been doing just from simply holding a sign on the street and i love speaking to people to strangers and i've found ways to speak to strangers um whereby you know i'll go up to, and i ask all sorts of questions i mean for example again i'm happy to for people to steal any idea i have but one of the things i do is i'll go up to the stranger and i'll say something like um, I'm writing a blog at the moment and I'm doing some research for my blog. Um, and it's basically, um, the blog is uh, an amalgamation of responses to the following question, right? Or if you just simply say, I'm doing some research at the moment um, about this following question and wonder what you had to say about it. Just say that. Just go out to people at random. See, to me, 
I could go spend every single day in a town centre of English-speaking people and just go up to them and ask them. And there's literally dozens of questions, interesting questions you can ask. Many of them are the are on my you know are, are, are of my films. You know what's really going on? What is love? Um, why are you here on this planet? Um, how important is your subconscious to you? Um, and um, you know, do you? Uh, here's a nice, a nice one. I have I recently started asking people. I, I, I stole this idea from someone. I said I could go up to someone and say I'm a wrongologist, and I'm interested in the study of being wrong. Uh, are you aware of any ideas that you currently hold that are actually mistaken? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, know, I imagine the, the 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 looks on their faces when you ask that one has to be great. Yeah, exactly. And if you can film it as well, you make great films. Um, you know, ask that to a politician. Uh, yeah, it's endless. It's endless, and you know, it might be that doing that is your ultimate nightmare. In which case, don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. But you'd be surprised. It's so exciting, and you meet, and you you just you can crack open human being after human being and get to something deep with them straight away if you know how to do it. And I love doing that. And so I say to people, find something that you love to do. Um, you're, you you can create leaflets, clever leaflets, you know, with subversive comedy and whatever on them. Clever leaflets. I go up to people. Another thing I do is, if you want to get you do a leaflet thing, I go up to people and I say, listen, I've created this leaflet for people who like to think for themselves. Is that your thing? You know. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and some of them say no. I say, oh, sorry, it's not for everybody. You know. It's <laughs> beautiful. I'm sorry. And, Keep going. <laughs> yeah, and it takes the sting out of them saying no because it's hilarious when they say no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, at least they're honest. <laughs> wow, that's so awesome. Yeah, so like there's so many things. Society is just so funny what we've created that there are endless opportunities to have so much fun at the same time as doing your bit to uh, open up people's consciousness, make them more aware and open up your own consciousness. So that that's my final offering to people. Well, thank you very much for that offering, Danny, and keep doing what you're doing. Um, I've still got a lot of videos to catch up on on yours, so you taking a break will just give me an opportunity to play catch up. Okay. Um, Now, do you have a website outside of your YouTube channel? No. Okay. Well, then, folks, if you're interested in checking it out, if you go to my website, because I know you guys know that, v-radio.org, Danny's YouTube channel is linked down at the bottom in the links section and there you can find a lot of different videos that he's put up so I want to thank you Danny for coming on to V Radio and um, I want to thank your family for listening in and not being too terribly disruptive (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot thank Um, you God bless thank you for asking me onto the show no problem and if and if you ever have anything that you want to report on or maybe anything that you want to talk about, you know, this show is basically here as kind of, a you know, as the purpose of it is meant to be alternative media, you know, where the talking heads that come on, so to speak, are people like you or Charlie or, you know, uh, other people that are, you know, outspoken and, and also trying to help people wake up. So, you know, um, the medium's getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, if there's anything at any point, even if you just want to email me and there's something you want me to mention you know, by all means do, because essentially I'm trying to create an alternative, uh, you know, to the mainstream media here. So 
Thanks again, Danny. And um... oh, it's a pleasure. And just um, just before I go, I'm just about to go now. I've got a little party downstairs with Osama bin Laden. He's he's just round for a cup of tea. Anyway, <laughs> lovely lovely to speak to you. And I hope we'll be in touch. Take care. Yeah, ask him if he'd like to come on later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. He's just drying himself off, actually. <laughs> All right. Thanks All right. again, Danny. Take care. God bless. God bless. Well, everybody, that was Danny Shine from, uh, you, you might remember him also from some of the earlier videos with the Love Police, uh, some of my favorite ones, actually. And as I said, you can check him out on the website. Um, go to v-radio.org or v-radio.org. Uh, there you'll also find archives of other shows like this one, including, I think I've had three interviews with Charlie Veach, uh, interviews with Dr. Gabor Mate, the behaviorist, uh, just all kinds of great interviews, different blog posts and shows. If you have any idea um, as far as uh, guests that you'd like to hear, that you know, you'd know you like to hear on V-Radio, uh, you can get in contact with me via the contact section of my website. Um, so thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. Um, Karma wants me to talk about a fundraiser. What's this fundraiser, Karma? You're going to have to be quick because I don't want any dead air. Waiting, 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 waiting. It takes a while for theirs because there's a bit of a delay. Let's see what he says. So... Okay, I don't know what fundraiser he's talking about, but check out Carmen's info on Facebook. And um, laser tag fundraiser. All right, I'll get more details about it later. Thanks again, folks, for everybody who tuned in tonight. And um, consider, if you uh, like V-Radio, consider a donation. Uh, you can go to my uh, website and click the Donate button, and um, there you will find my chip-in widget. As I generally tell people, this this radio show is downloaded generally by somewhere between three to 8,000 people. If even just a tenth of those people donated like 2 or $3 a piece per month, then there would be no problem with me getting the donations that I need to keep doing my work. Um, in addition to that, uh, good news, uh, V-Radio re recently just came up past 200,000 listens, meaning individual shows that have been listened to. Um, so we've been, you know, I'm going to keep on trucking, guys, and the support that you've been giving me it keeps motivating me. As far as uh, future shows, uh, tomorrow I have – an expert on the subject of cyberbullying and cyberstalking. Her name is Jane Hitchcock. She's going to be coming on to talk about that. That's actually more relevant to the troll documentary. And and um, so when you guys uh, look into that, and that's speaking of the troll documentary, don't forget to uh, like the troll documentary Facebook page so that I can give you guys some uh, more information as far as to you know the different links and such and the sources that will be going into the film. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of V-Radio. I'll leave you with some parting words with Jack Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jack Fresco. And you're listening to V-Radio.